0: Thanks for joining us again, and let's get to the service. Brilliant. Well, here we are once again. Oh, before I forget, I better grab one of those business cards. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to show you what they're about. All right. Well, here we are. What an amazing day, as i mentioned before, it was yesterday, as we shared in the wedding of, of Lockie and M, two beloved members of our congregation, that they've been a, around here for some time, and I was just talking to uh, someone this morning, and it, there's something really special about knowing two people individually, in their own right, in their own faith journey, in their own... Uh, sort of journey personally, and then seeing them come together in union to commit to one another in marriage, and then to see what it is that God does in and through their relationship as they as they are, are essentially one one flesh, one relationship, one couple moving forward in with God as their center. And what a what a rich blessing it is that we are able to uh, share that with them and celebrate and support them in the journey um, forward. As I was thinking about a way to begin this message, I've, I thought, to be honest, that was the best thing I could think of, in terms of sharing something that was exciting, something that was great news, something that, was, that warmed my heart, and that for many of you I know, if, if you know Emma uh, Lockie, it warms your heart as well. And I think that's something really special about good news, is that whilst I mentioned, I think last week, and even a little bit the week before, In in our broader culture, bad news seems to be the thing that gets pushed to the forefront of the narrative uh, of our news and of things like that. And In the ways of church, we don't want to be defined by the bad news. We want to be defined by the good news, the positive things that are happening. We want to be for things rather than against them. And in, in many ways, even though bad news is what gets pushed upon us, it doesn't take very long to realize that when you start talking about good things, when you start sharing positive news, it seems to take on a life of its own. It's one thing to share something negative and you go, oh man, that sucks and, and yeah, I wish it was different and, and et cetera, et cetera and, and you, you might be down for a moment in time when you hear of tragedy and things like that but there's something about positive news that elates us beyond just hearing it in the moment. And it excites us, it, it inspires us, it spurs us forwards in many ways. And I think that's one of the rich and wonderful things about good news, that it's, it's contagious. And I think we also really love, we, so we love hearing good news, we do. There's something about the endorphins and a whole bunch of things going on in our brain that we love to hear and receive positive news, but we also love to, to share it. Have you ever told a child that they're going on a holiday? As a kid, or as a, as a parent, you, you tell the children, oh, we're going away to somewhere, significant whatever it might be. Oh, we're going to visit your best friends or we're going to, to Disneyland or we're, you know, we're going to, on, a, on a camping trip or whatever excites them in some way. Being able to share that good news with them is exciting. It's exciting for them, of course, to hear it and it's exciting for us as we go about sharing. it. And so I think good news is a really significant part of what actually helps to shape our enthusiasm, our motivation and our mood. I don't know if you realise it or not, but this place, this gathering is built upon good news, isn't it? The reason that we are here is because at some point, someone or a group of people, decided that the good news that was in their heart was too good not to share, too significant not to speak out in some way into your heart, into my heart. And it might have been our parents, it might have been a friend, it could have been a loved one, a grandparent, someone, a pastor, someone spoke good news into your life which has landed you right here in this moment in some way. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, perhaps I need you to understand that we are here because of the best news the world has ever known, because of some good news that was spoken, proclaimed in the first century, that has rippled through time and carried more momentum than any government, any institution, anything any world power has ever held and will ever hold in the world. It has outlasted every dynasty everyone. And the name of Jesus is known everywhere, and almost no one knows who the emperor of Rome was on the day he was born. Isn't it interesting? How is it that this news could outlast everything, every dynasty that ever existed? And I think... It was because those that held the good news, those that knew the truth, those that were sharing it, were convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was true and that it was worth sharing with the world around them. Those two things, I believe, are what carried the good news, the gospel as we know it now, beyond the first century and into passages of time that we might be able to sit here together. And the thing about this good news was, was, was it was so compelling, so convicting and so motivating that it had a really peculiar effect, that it wasn't just good news that inspired them to share it with others, it was good news that inspired them so much that these first early Christians would give their lives proclaiming it as true give their lives, go to the grave, proclaiming a truth. Now, I don't know about you, but I can tell, I can spin a good yarn. You, you've heard me spin a good yarn up here, for t- forty minutes you've heard me spin a good yarn up here. But I tell you what, it would have to be a pretty special sort of story for when someone said, you know what? I'm going to take your life if you don't renounce what it is you just proclaimed. It would have to be a pretty compelling story and have to be something that I knew to be true <laughs> for me to say, you know what? All right. It's worth it. Because I'm not gonna, what I know is what I know. And it's true. And you can't take that away from me. Friends, that is what... The early, that's the way the early Christians behaved when no one predicted it. No one saw it coming, not not Roman soldiers, not Roman emperors, not Jewish leadership. No one saw it coming, and yet there they were, and here we are. We're looking today in a passage of text from uh, the Acts of the Apostles. It was recorded by a guy called Luke, a doctor in the first century, and he wrote about what happened to the early church. It's called Acts, and it's what happened in the early church for the first um, years following Jesus' death and resurrection. And it's the Acts of the Apostles. And the word apostle simply means witness. And what does a witness do? In a court of law, a witness shares the truth that they know to be true with those around them. And so these are the Acts of those that chose to share what they knew to be true with the world around them in the first century century. So, I want, to, want you to open, if you've got a Bible with you, open to Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and it'll be, it will be on the screen, hopefully, as well today. To give you a bit of context as to what's going on in this moment, Peter, one of the guys that travelled with Jesus, he denounced Him three times, and then just before his, um, Jesus' death, and, and then after His resurrection, they reunited, and Jesus forgave him, and Peter committed his life back to Jesus and ultimately it's upon, Jesus, uh, upon Peter that much of the New Testament church is built. And so we've got Peter journeyed with Jesus and John, one of the other guys that was with Jesus. They're going into the temple one day and as they're walking in, there's a guy on the side of, sitting there in the archway and he's begging and he's lame, he can't walk. He's been lame for as long as everyone's known him. They think he's about 40, I think, that the Scriptures talk about, this young guy, or this guy, lame. And he says, he says to Peter and John, hey, have you got something you can give me? Please, please do. And keep in mind, there was no social security back then, and so giving alms and begging alms was actually a really important part of Jewish society. And so it was expected in many ways that a good, devout Jew would give to those that have less, particularly those that are physically crippled or or, or in something like that. So this wasn't an unusual interaction. But as they're walking in, I don't know if it was sort of, Peter, he's gone, have you you, you got some money for me? I don't know if Peter's gone and just checked his wallet. No, sorry man, I don't have anything. But instead of doing what you and I do, which is just walk on most of the time, he stops and he says, look at me. Gold and silver I don't have for you but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the man stands and starts walking for the first time in his life, as far as we can tell. What a gift. he can keep the gold, I'll take the legs, thanks. Unbelievable. And he goes on praising God. And the guy walks into the temple, possibly for the first time. Certainly, he's walking in there, but those with physical disabilities often weren't allowed to go into the temple. And so, can you imagine having desperately, he was there at the gate as close as possible, but not quite in. And in this moment in time, he gets given a gift greater than anything he will ever know. Not just the gift of healing, the gift of community, the gift of being able to worship his God in the place of of the Lord, as a Jewish man. What a gift. But as it turns out, it doesn't take very long and Peter and John get in trouble for this. Word starts to spread and Peter and John, uh, sorry, the the temple guard and the Sadducees come up to Peter and John while they're sharing what's just happened and and talking to people about it and, and what they believe to be true. And so, these Sadducees are the uh, the political leaders at the time in the Jewish community. And it says, verse 2, that they were greatly disturbed, the political leaders, because the apostles, Peter and John, were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. Now, the Sadducees didn't even believe in the resurrection of the dead. So, that was disturbing enough, but they're, they're proclaiming this new Lord, this new person, this Messiah... And so they seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put him in jail. Until the next day. But many who heard the message that they proclaimed believed. And so the number of men, not including women and children, who believed grew to about 5,000. So the church has exploded with growth at this time, based on what it is these guys have shared. The next day, the rulers the elders and the teachers of the law met together in Jerusalem and Annas, the high priest, was there. And so there was also Caiaphas, John, Alexander and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them out of the dungeon and began questioning them. By what power and in whose name did you do this act? What did they do? They blessed a guy in the name of Jesus, and made, helped him walk for the first time. And yet they're being put on trial for that. By what power and in what name did you do this? The, see, the moment here for Peter and John, they've got a, they've got a, um, they've got a decision to make. What do they say? They are in front of the religious, political, and social powers of their time. The ones that can ostracize them from community, the ones that can cast them out of the city, the ones that can ban them from the temple, worship. What are they going to say in response to this question? What would you say? What would I say? Knowing what it might cost you. Well, this is what He says. And Peter, verse 8, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers, elders of the people, all y'all who are in charge, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and are being asked how he was healed, if that's why we're here, which is ridiculous, by the way, you know, that's the tone, it's like, are you serious? We're we're called in front of this court for an act of kindness, but if that is what you're really asking us, how it is that this man was healed, then let me tell you this, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, Ouch. that this man was raised from the dead and stands before you healed. So the, the man was here, the man was in the room, standing before them, healed. And knowing what it would cost him, Peter declares it was actually in Jesus' name that this happened. He continues, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. You rejected him, you killed him, and now he is everything to the building which is being built in the world, the church, is what he's saying. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I talked about this last week. Who is venerated above every other name in the world? Jesus. Why? Because he gave his life for the world. And that path to greatness led His name to be greater than every other name, and Peter declares it here as well. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, that is, the the leaders, and realized that these were just unschooled, ordinary men. These guys didn't even finish Bible college. They flunked out. They were fishermen, which means they tried to go to Bible college, flunked out at some point, and had taken up the family trade. Jesus called them, so these guys weren't schooled. They knew knew the first five books of the Bible by heart, because every Jewish boy did. But these are unschooled, ordinary men. And they were astonished, and they took note. What did they take note of? That these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there's nothing they could say. What do you say? Are you lying? It didn't happen? He's right there. (laughs) There's nothing they could say. So, there's nothing that these leaders could appeal to. There was no response they had. So, they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, from the, from the leadership council. They said, go away, we're going to talk about this. And so, they conferred together. What are we going to do with these guys? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, a miracle, and we can't deny it. He's right here, But to stop this from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name, that is, in the name of Jesus. We're going to warn them. Then they called them back in after the council and commanded them not to speak or teach it all in the name of Jesus. Don't you do it. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes. They would, you would never, it's, this is like asking the magistrate a question We're in our court of law. You don't ask the magistrate a question, you answer questions. So this is totally out of order. But in response to their command over him of saying, shut up and stop talking about Jesus, he goes, I've got a question for you. Hey, Caiaphas, hey, Annas, I've got a question for you. Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to, or to God? To you? Should we do what you say or should we do what God's telling us to do? You be the judge, what do you think is the right thing to do? Because as for us, well, we cannot help but keep speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard you want to shut us up, we can't help but speak of that which we have seen and heard. And after further threats from the leadership to Peter and John, they let him go, because they couldn't hold them. What were they holding them for? What were they trying to accuse them of? An act of kindness. And there is no law that would prohibit no law that can hold an act of kindness, an act of love. They decided they could not punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened for, here it was, for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Everyone knew this dude. Everyone had walked past him. Everyone had probably given him some money and now they didn't have to. The act of kindness spoke for itself. The act of kindness spoke for itself. It was undeniable. These guys would ultimately face death for the truth that they declared, and never once did they renounce it. What did they see? What did they hear? Well, they noted in here that they'd been with Jesus, but it wasn't just the philosophies of Jesus that they proclaimed, that wasn't just what they saw and what they heard. Even though Jesus taught a socio-political vision that was transformative for the world, even though that's true, even though He preached love in the face of hate, even though He preached forgiveness in the face of bitterness even though He preached love in the face of selfishness, compelling as they are, that is not what they saw and what they heard that took them to the grave. Even though they inv- He unveiled to them a picture of how the world is meant to work because Jesus was there when it was created, that's not it. And it wasn't His miracles either. Even though they saw and witnessed Jesus do incredible, miraculous things. They watched Him walk on water. They watched Him calm a storm with a word. They watched Him raise people from the dead. That's a neat trick. They watched Him do things they had never seen before and that they couldn't explain away. They watched Him cast demons out of a guy into a herd of pigs and the pigs ran off a cliff. They'd seen Him do anything. seemed like He could do anything. They saw Him speak to God and the heavens responded to it. They saw Him forgive sins, which was outside of any man's authority. And most of all, they saw Him die. None of those things is ultimately what they saw and what they heard that got them in trouble, none of those things. What got them in trouble was what they said after all of those things, that you saw Him dead, we all did, but we saw Him alive again. And that makes all the difference in the world, for a man to be died... be publicly humiliated and crucified and then to be seen walking around again changes everything it's a transformative thing and friends that was the truth that they bore witness to that's what they were apostles of not just the cool stuff jesus did but that he would be raised to life again that is the truth that Jesus was the Messiah that Israel were hoping for, that Jesus was God in flesh, that Jesus was everything He said He was because He predicted His own death and resurrection and then pulled it off. It's not a bad weekend's work, in my opinion. And so the response for them was they couldn't help but share it, They couldn't help it. They had no choice. The news was so good so good, that they couldn't help but share it. Not just because it was exciting news for their own benefit, like I could share to you about Lockie and M's wedding because I had great time yesterday, marrying two people that I've journeyed with for years, since I've been here. I could tell you that good story in its own right and that would be great news and that would be compelling. But it's, it's even greater news when it's of, of, ben, of the benefit of the other person. It's even greater news when the good news to be shared has a positive impact in the other person's life. And so, for these first, these first apostles, it wasn't just good news that Jesus was alive, and that's great. The Messiah has come, that's good. It was that the Messiah has come and Jesus is alive for you. The Messiah has come, Jesus is alive for you. And that's the difference. That's where it changes everything. Because good news travels, but good news that benefits another, is the best of news to have ever been spoken. And so for these apostles, the good news was too good to keep to themselves. We have that same good news, don't we? It's why we're here that you and I have the same good news. And that it's not just for our benefit, it's for the benefit of the world around us. It's for the benefit of the community that we are called to serve. It's good news that says Jesus died for Gaula. And if we really believed it, I'm going to challenge you, I'm going to get up in your business for a minute. If we really believed it, I would argue that our witness would look a little bit more like the Apostles than perhaps it has for the Christian church in recent years across the world. If we really believed, and if we were really convinced, then there is nothing, there is no social, no political, and no economic pressure that could be placed upon us that would make us shut up. that we could stand there and say it because we believe it and it's so compelling that we cannot keep it to ourselves. Friends, that is is what—that is the good news that we steward. That is the good news that has us where we are today and that is what it is we are called to share. So if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, I need you to hear that. That we are called as... Christians to steward something that is for you, the truth that Jesus of Nazareth existed, the truth that God is real, and the truth that Jesus died for your sin, for my sin. Why? So that we can be free. And whom the Son, that is Jesus, sets free is what? is free indeed. No one can take that away from us, and that is good news, my friends. And so if you're a follower of Jesus in this room today, joining us online today, I need to remind you of that simple truth, that that is the good news we are here for, plus nothing else. So often, in our journeys of faith and in our journey as a church, we make the secondary things of the Christian life primary and push the primary things to the side. We make social or political issues primary when they're not. We make discipleship journey issues primary when they're not. What's the primary message of the church? for the world, Jesus died for you, full stop. And in the end, all this fancy marketing, that's what it's about, Jesus died for you. And the census data tells us that 60% of our community no longer have any affiliation with Christian community or religion at all, not interested or just don't, not involved, de-churched, unchurched, post church, for whatever definition it is, more than half of our community had ticked that box in the census and less than 10%, it's about five and a half to seven percent of our community attend church on a regular basis, that's it of the Gawler, the 30,000 people here in the Gawler broader district, less than 7% of us attend church on a regular basis. What does that tell us? We can look at that and go, man, that sucks. Or we can go, man, what an opportunity to speak hope and life. What a blessing, what a privilege, what an outstanding season to be a part of what God is doing in this town. But can you imagine? If through us recapturing the message that the church is for the community it's called to serve, we might see the dial move just a little and that people that do not know Jesus might walk into or engage with or encounter the movement of this church and realize for the first time that Jesus is for them. What a time to be alive. And so that brings me to this. On your chair or on your pew is a card. And it says "Forgoer" on it. It's not surprising. And on the back of it, it's got the why behind "Forgoer." That for too long, the church has been known for what it is against, and we want to be known for what we are for. And so my challenge for you this week. As we wrap up this series, we've talked about giving. I've invited you all to give 100% participation, $25 for each and every one of you. And we're going to give every single cent of that, including all the admin fees, away to four organizations. Two, two schools, UCARE, and the Willow Men's Shed here in Gawler. Just as a blessing to say we love you and we love what you're doing. So if you haven't participated in that, I'd love you to do so. Jump online. That was, act, that was part one. Part two was serving, and I know there was a a couple of problems with the video last week, but I know you were all praying for the technology during that moment, but the the challenge for that was to sign up and get involved in a few places. We're going to clean up our town a little bit, we're going to be seen doing it. We're going to be serving us in 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 the schools a little bit as well, in helping them landscape and do some stuff. I'm talking with some of the uh, folks about that in the coming weeks. That was step two. Do something. This is step three. Love someone. I'm inviting you, I'm challenging you to take this card with you this week and to do one act of kindness to someone else. Because do you know what I believe love is? Love is kindness in action. And so I'm challenging, I'm inviting you to do one. Random act of kindness this week. I want you to pray about it in every morning. Take this with you, and open your eyes to see where it is God is calling you to make use of this and do something. Buy a coffee for someone. Buy a coffee for someone in the Macca's drive-through. Give this card to the the, the to the operator and ask him to give it to the person behind them, and even if they don't, the operator's got it. And then when they ask you why, it's right there. We're a part of a church in this community, and we just want you to know that we're for you. And there's a QR code there, which you all know how to use, and it takes them to the a part of our webpage that explains all of this what it is that we are doing to transform the community we've been called to. So that's my challenge for you this week, is to give it a go. And look, it's your choice, whether you do it or whether you don't, it's your choice. But you never know the impact that this might have for someone. And by the way, the news that we have is too good not to share. And that we just like the apostles experienced in that moment, there's no credible way to criticize an act of kindness. Not really, can't be done, and that holds the greatest power of all. And I, I need to tell you just a quick story as I close: is that I heard, I, I saw a, a um, some, an, an article in the editorial of the Bunyip just a, a few weeks ago, and it was about a person wearing one of these that served someone in to help them get groceries to their car. They went back, they got a bag, like bought a couple of disposable bags because this person had forgotten them for whatever reason. I don't know why, don't know the situation, but a person wearing one of these went and did that, Bless this person's life, And that person was so transformed by that experience that they wrote a letter to the newspaper to honor that person and just say, I don't know who this person was, but this was an amazing experience, and thank you. You never know the impact that a simple act of loving kindness could have. But I believe, by God's Spirit, we will see what we do multiply, and have an effect beyond anything we will ever know. Let's pray together, church. Loving God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way that it speaks into our life, and I—I um, got to be honest. It's so hard to think outside of ourselves. Sometimes it is so hard to be real. when we know what the pressures are and we know the cost, and if we're honest, sometimes we're just not willing to pay it. Would you remind us in this moment just how good the news that we are called to steward, it really is, and that we don't need to feel bad about sharing the hope that we have, and that we don't need to feel strange about doing something kind for someone that we've never met, just because we can. Because even if, it, even if it has no tangible impact, we trust that when we're living out the call you have placed upon our life to be a witness to what we know to be true, Lord, the results are up to you, not us. We leave it in your hands. So would you expand our faith today? Expand our trust. Expand our confidence in you as our Lord and Savior. And would you remind us that we are here because some time someone told us that you died for us. May that truth echo through our lives this week and for the rest of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.